We're going to get right into the word down here, and I have a word that God has put on my heart for you today. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter number three, Ecclesiastes chapter three, how many of you know it's a new season? Thank God for season change. I love new seasons. Back to school. Hey, Paul Snyder, Linda Snyder, I just now spotted you guys. So good to have you in church this morning. I don't know if you know why I'm so excited, but this is a, a miracle sitting right in front of you right here. Paul is, is walking in health. He went back and kissed the gates of death and said, see you later. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God for you. Thank God for, for his healing touch in your life. I'm glad you're here for this word today. I don't know about you, but I just get excited for new seasons in my life. And not every season's great, I understand that, but it's a good season today. Tonight, the Dallas Cowboys are playing Sunday night football. Come on, that's a good season, man. They're playing your old man Tom Brady. He's like 52. We're going to wear him out tonight. I'm not actually, I should stop now because record indicates that doesn't usually work out that way. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I had a real sad, really, really sad moment happen in church. I was talking to Max. I don't know if all of you know Max from, but he's a Cowboys fan. And so us Cowboy fans have to stick together and we're chatting about the upcoming prospects. And he says, well, at least you're old enough to remember when they were good. <laughs> Whew, that hurt. Because if you don't know Max, let me clarify. He's not 10. Max is a grown man. He's got a beard. He's married. It's like, and he was telling the truth. At least I'm old enough to remember when they were good, as in he's not. It's been a long time. Y'all pray for my Dallas Cowboys if you have a heart. But it's a new season. So it doesn't matter how bad your team was last year. You got a chance, right? It's a new season. Some of y'all, you're excited to back to school. Anybody excited for that season? Oh, man, the youth group got real quiet. Although they were slowly like, ah, happy dance. Not feeling that. Pumpkin spice lattes back at Starbucks. Anybody? Yeah, okay. All things pumpkin spice. We're excited for that. Everybody's making a run for Starbucks and getting their scarves out of the closet. I'm a fan of, of all the seasons. I lived in Texas for 10 years, and I remember, in fact, we took a photo to commemorate the moment. I remember our first Christmas in Texas. It didn't, it didn't feel right because in the picture, you see me in the backyard, I'm, I'm I'm dropping a turkey into the deep fryer, and I'm wearing shorts and T-shirt and flip-flops. That is not Christmas weather. I don't know about you, but I dream of a white Christmas. I don't want snow in April. I don't want to dig Easter eggs out of the snow, but I want Christmas in winter. And I like it hot in the summer. I just don't like it hot on December 25th. There's seasons for everything. In fact, that's what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us. Look at it with me. The first few verses says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. I, I saw in the news this week, Queen Elizabeth died, and uh, people are mourning her 96 years. But there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to laugh. 
says there's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We know what that is. That's called 2020. (laughs) COVID-19, refrain from embracing, social distancing. There's a time for that. He says, there's a time to search and a time to give up. Time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Some of you just got a revelation this morning that that was a scripture and not just a rock and roll song from the 60s or 70s. Can I tell you, our times and our seasons are in God's hands. And if you don't acknowledge that, then one of two things is probably going to happen. Either, number one, you're going to become lazy, lackadaisical, or secondly, you're going to become exhausted and frustrated. You have to understand that there's a time and a season for things. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 18, Solomon says this, Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands. The house Leaks. In other words, we can become lazy if we don't recognize when it's time to get work done. In Proverbs chapter 20, in verse 4, it says, the, sluggard do, the sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. In other words, when it's time to sow in the fields, you got to do the work. When it's time to plow, you got to do the plowing in season, less when it Harvest season comes, there will be nothing there for you. Oftentimes, we can not discern the seasons, and we become lazy, and we miss our opportunities. Or, as I said, the opposite happens, and we get exhausted. We get fatigued because we don't recognize the rhythm of times and seasons of work and of rest. I, I love the story that George Foreman told in his biography, God in My Corner. The two-time heavyweight champion tells the story of an elderly woman who was asked what her favorite verse of Scripture was. She didn't go with Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. She didn't go with John 3, 16, God so loved the world. She didn't even go with Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When this elderly lady was asked, what's your favorite passage in scripture? Here's what she said, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. That little phrase is repeated 436 times in the King James Version. And it sounds like nothing more than just a segue that something else is about to happen. But what it actually is, is an indication of a new season. And here's what she said when she explained her favorite passage. She said, I know that whenever a trial comes, it doesn't come to stay. It came to pass. Come on. That's good theology right there. There was a sultan that once asked King Solomon, what one sentence is always true? No matter how good or how bad the circumstances are, what one sentence is always true? You know what the wisest man who ever lived said? He said, this too shall pass. Isn't that true? No matter what you're facing, no matter how good things are going or or how bad or bleak they might seem, this too shall pass. It was during the American Civil War that that phrase became an anchor point for President Abraham Lincoln, and he wrote about that. He said, how much it expresses, 
How chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction. This too shall pass. Can I tell you today, if you're clinging to something, waiting on a promise from God, waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to come through, I'm going to tell you today, it will come to pass. But if you're feeling like you're struggling and you're in a difficult season and you're in the dogfight of faith, I want to tell you, whatever you're in, it came to pass. God is a God of seasons. And I I love the statement in Ecclesiastes 3 down in verse 11 after he says that every time and season is in the Lord's hands and there's a time for this and there's a time for that. There's a time to sow and to reap and to scatter stones and for stones to be gathered. Then in verse 11, he says this, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Everything. So how do you power through the seasons that are difficult? How do you, how do you muster up the courage and the strength to press on? Two things. Number one, recognize it's just a season. Now, I don't mean that to minimize your issue. I'm just telling you, It's a season. We need to remember it's just a season because a lot of times we can make more of our circumstance than God's made of it. Sometimes we pray and we ask God and God says yes, and we all love it when God says yes, but sometimes we pray and we ask God and he says no. But there's another truth to be remembered. Sometimes we pray and we ask God and he says not yet. Not yet. In other words, it might be God's will, it's just not God's timing in your life but God is faithful in every season you just have to remember what I'm facing this is a it's a season I love the story in first Kings 17 of Elijah he, he shows up on the scene he goes to the king and he says to him it's not going to rain again until I say it's going to rain and then God told him I want you to go and hide <laughs> like if that's the if you're giving that kind of prophecy you know you might want to hide and that's what Elijah does he goes into hiding and the Bible says about him in verse 4 here's what the Lord told him The Lord told Elijah, he said, you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. I'm going to tell you what, that sounds like a miraculous story, and that preaches well that God can provide ravens to feed you, but I'm going to tell you, that describes a difficult season. Isolation, loneliness, and as miraculous as it might be to have your food delivered by a bunch of ravens. Just think about it. For It's not like they showed up with a foil-lined Chick-fil-A bag and they dropped that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's eating bird leftovers. That's the dirtiest bird you could have. I mean, of all the birds to bring you a meal. And so he's in a tough place. But it was only for a season. Another season came after that. In fact, just a few verses later, it says in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him again. And it says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, thank God that he can send the ravens. But come on, somebody want to give some praise with me for women of God that know how to cook. Any men? Come on. Like, that's a new season. I'll tell you where the inspiration for that thought came from. I'll just be totally honest with you because I'm I'm always in sermon prep mode. And and this last week, my my wife's been sick. And so uh, she's just been, you know, kind of quarantined to the bedroom. And we've been just going through the motions, you know, me and my daughters, kind of get everything done. So Thursday morning, I... 
I got up, took the girls to school, I had to run to the grocery store, I had to go to the pharmacy. And so I got back, I get ready to get to the office late. And so I just grabbed a little, you know, Nutrigrain bar out of the pantry. I'm like, I'll take this with me. That's what I'll eat today. And so I grabbed that Nutrigrain bar and threw it in my bag. And I came up to the office and I got here. And, you know, it's just the season you're in. When, when somebody's sick, you know, you just make do. You make it work. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not for life. It's a season. And then I got here. And the parking lot was full. And I remembered, there's a women's Bible study today. I'm going to tell you. The raven stopped right then. I walked in the lobby, and man, there was a banqueting table. I felt like I was at the marriage supper of the lamb. They had all kinds of food laid out. I put that, I put that granola bar in the drawer. I said, that's going to be for another day. Thank God for sending women that know how to cook food. Come on. I, I don't know if that sounds spiritual to you, but I was having church, man. I, I had a plate full of food, a hot cup of coffee. I thought, woo, streams in the wasteland. God is a provider today. Different season. David said this about seasons in Psalm 23, 4. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Can I encourage you today, even if you feel like you're in the darkest valley, if you're walking through that valley don't stop. That's the key word in the text, through. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. David says before that that the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. But what we like to do is we like to lay down in the valley and we like to walk through the green pastures and the still waters. But lead, if he's leading you through, know this, that the shepherd is closest to the sheep in the darkest valley. In fact, when you read Psalm 23, you notice that, that David switches pronouns. When he begins, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul for his name's sake and guides me along the paths of righteousness. But when he gets to verse 4, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. See how David gets personal. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. When you're going through the darkest valley, just allow the nearness of God to keep you going through. Every season you're in, here's the promise. You're not in it alone. You're not in it alone. Don't trust your feelings. Trust God's promises. Jesus said, surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the earth. Surely I'm with you always. So how do you power through any season? Well, number one, you recognize that it's just a season. But secondly, you have to realize that some things are not seasonal. In other words, just because you're in a new season, that doesn't mean that everything changes. Don't have a knee-jerk reaction to your circumstances. Don't think that the whole world is burning because of a difficult season that you're in. Not everything is seasonal. In fact, there's a lot of things that happen in your life that are not dependent at all upon times and seasons. You have a God-given purpose and assignment from heaven, and it's not seasonal. Hear that today. It's not seasonal. No matter what you're in, no matter what you're facing, know this. Because God is faithful, you can be fruitful. 
In fact, would you just say this with me today? Say this. Say, because God is faithful, I can be fruitful. Let me tell you why I know that. Because Jesus said in John 15, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. He didn't say you might. He didn't say you could. He didn't say you should. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit, much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Hebrews 13 declares in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So recognize that what you're facing, it might just be for a season, but realize as well that not everything in your life is seasonal. In fact, I want to give you five ways that you can power through whatever season you're in. And I want to use that word power as an acronym. Five things, P-O-W-E-R. The first thing that never changes, no matter how good or how bad your life looks at this moment, we can always do this thing in every season. Pray. Pray. I've read this book cover to cover, and I'm going to tell you, there's only two times the Bible says we ought to pray. When you feel like it, and when you don't. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us, pray continually. Some of us ought to memorize that verse, especially if you have a short memory. That's the whole verse. Pray continually. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul encourages the church. He says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and what? Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, there are times and seasons when, when God wants you to turn up the intensity of your prayer life. Sometimes we have to stack fasting on our prayer disciplines to really press into God's presence. Sometimes we need to take extra time and, and make more margin to go after God. But I'm going to tell you, there is never a time in the life of a Christian when prayer is out of season. A prayerless church is a powerless church. And if you want God's power in your life, call out. Call out to him. The second thing is this. We, we power through any season through prayer, but second, by obeying. Obey. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, the Lord gives Moses... Another copy of the Ten Commandments because he broke the first one. <laughs> he gives him ten commandments. Not suggestions, mind you. Commandments. And then in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, he begins the chapter with these words. He tells him, love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands. Now, what's Amazing about that chapter is for the next several verses, he begins to tell Moses how all the things that you saw me do in the wilderness, your children didn't experience those things. They didn't see the, the horses and the riders of the chariots of Egypt drown into the midst of the Red Sea. They didn't see the water flow from the rock. They didn't see the way I provided manna for you. And he begins to say to them, they never saw these things, but here's what they will observe. They're going to observe you obeying my commands. And that's the key. 
They don't have your story in that season. That season is over. We're in a new season now. But what they need to see is your obedience. It's no wonder that when we get to that verse Kayla mentioned earlier in Judges 2.10, that it says that there was a generation that came up after Joshua had died that did not know the things that the Lord had done for Israel. They didn't honor the Lord. If their parents had been faithful in that new season, not just faithful in the wilderness, but faithful coming out of it. Maybe they would have a different family story. Can I just tell somebody today, it's your willingness to obey God in whatever season you're in that sets up your family for future success. They're, they're watching you. They're watching you in the celebration. They're watching you in the struggle. When the outcome is out of your hands, you have to determine that obedience is my instinct. I'm going to honor the Lord. Whether, whether I win, whether I lose, I'm going to obey the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 there, later in that chapter, about verse 26, God says to him, see, I'm setting before you today blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God that I'm giving you today, the curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn from the way that I commanded you and Follow other gods which you've not known. And here's the temptation that all of us face when we go through difficult seasons. We want to self-medicate with our sinful vices. We've probably all said it before, and you've you've heard the words where someone says, well, I know I really shouldn't, but man, I I just really need this right now. We start to make compromises in our convictions. Why? Because I've, I've had a bad day. I've had a long week. Oh, I, I, know, I know I probably shouldn't, but I'm just going to indulge. And we try to self-medicate our seasons with sinful action. God calls for obedience. It's never out of fashion. Obedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, God has given 18 more chapters of, of what it looks like to walk in obedience. He gets to chapter 28. And if you ever want to be encouraged, just, just open your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read the first half. Because it's just all the ways that God wants to bless you. He said, you obey my commands. I'm going to bless you when you rise. I'm going to bless you when you lay down. I'm going to bless you when you're coming. I'm going to bless you when you're going. I'm going to bless you in the fields. I'm going to bless you in the city. I mean, it's just an awesome chapter. But if you don't want to be discouraged, only read the first half. Because then he says, now, if you don't obey my commands... These curses will come upon you, and it's a longer list. And then he gets to chapter 30, and the Lord says in verse 19, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. So what do you do in the difficult seasons? I'm here to tell you today, you do the same thing that you would do in any season. You pray and you obey. Thirdly, you worship. Worship. We worship God. Why? Who who should be worshiping God this morning? The person that's had had a great week, the person that feels good, the kids, the students, the the person that loves the set list that Kayla put together, like that's oh, it's my day to worship. That's my jam. No. The person that should worship according to the word of God is the person that can still fog a mirror. 
That's what the Bible says. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you can still fog a mirror, you ought to worship God, regardless of what season is happening in your life. Now, I'll give you this. It's certainly easier to worship God sometimes than others. I'm not advocating that we come and we just, you know, we pretend that uh, that reality doesn't exist and we just come in here and just kind of fake it till you make it. I'm not talking about a denial of reality. But the truth is we don't worship God because of our circumstance. We don't worship God even for what he does for us. We worship him for who he is. And the truth of the matter is this. If you'll worship God even from a difficult season, even from a place of pain, that sacrifice of praise is even sweeter in God's sight. King David at one time was dealing with uh, God's rebuke for his actions. And he knew he needed to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And he went to Arana and he said, let me buy your threshing floor so that I can make an altar and make a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and Arana said, you're the king and, and, and whatever you want is yours. You don't have to buy it. You can have it. And David said, no, I will not Bring an offering to the Lord that costs me nothing. No, it's got to mean. It's got to mean something. It's got to cost me. It's got to come from somewhere. And the more it costs you to worship, the sweeter the sacrifice. In Psalm thirty-four, David said, "I will extol the Lord at what time? All times. His praise will always." Be on my lips. It's not a seasonal thing. He made up his mind. Even in the darkest moments, I will bless the Lord. And then in verse 2, he said, I will glory in the Lord. And then he gives this invitation. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. If you feel afflicted today, hear this invitation. David says, don't wait for your circumstances to change. If you feel afflicted, hear this and rejoice with me. Make up your mind to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And then he says in verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why? Why should we rejoice if we feel afflicted? Because the word of the Lord says in Psalm 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. When we open up our mouth, when we worship God, he draws near to us. The word of the Lord said in Psalm 100, we come into his very presence with singing. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with our praise. See, Paul understood that. He understood the fact that that worship is not seasonal. It's not based on circumstances. In Acts chapter 16, Paul was preaching in Philippi, and revival was breaking out. People were getting saved. People like Lydia, wealthy women in industry were coming to the Lord, and, and there was people that had demonic spirits being cast out of them. I mean, it, this, was, this was a season of revival. But then all of a sudden, Paul and his partner Silas get arrested. They're taken before the magistrate. They're stripped of their clothes, and they're beaten with rods on their backs. The Bible says they were thrown into the inner prison, and their feet were locked in the stocks. You talk about a change of seasons. One moment, he's preaching, and the church is expanding, and miracle signs and wonders are following, and the next moment, his back is bleeding, his feet are in stocks, he's in pain. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Can I just say, if if you're waiting for a better season to sing, don't. Worship is the soundtrack to the supernatural. God moves in response to the praise of his people. In this moment, the Bible says in the next verse, suddenly, I love that word in scripture, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prisoners' doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but I'm telling you, sometimes the breakthrough is just on the other side of the praise break. Sometimes you got to make up your mind, like David, to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth because he inhabits the praises of his people. And in the darkest moments are the times I need to know the shepherd's closest. And I remind you, church, we don't sing because it's our thing. We sing because it's his thing. And yet, I, I see people all the time in church that just kind of watch, spectate, just t- kind of taking it in. And they might even say, like, well, I'm not, I'm not really into singing. So what? So what? The Bible says, come before him with singing. Singing, for the Lord is good. He is worthy. He's worthy of your praise. He's far more worthy than, than a, a star-spangled banner that you would stand and sing for, though we should do that. He's far more worthy than some birthday celebration you'd sing at, though. That's great when we do that. He's worthy. We enter his gates. We come into his courts when we worship him. But we do it because it's his thing, not ours, because that's what makes him God. He decides who gets worshiped and how worship happens. That's why he's God and we're not. The word says in Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's what we're doing today. In the Old Testament, they might have brought a a lamb or a turtle dove, but in the new covenant, the Lord says we come with the fruit of our lips, not the fruit of our fields. I don't want you to lay your corn on the altar this morning. You can pay your tithe. I'd much rather you do that. But we come. In the new covenant, we profess his name with the fruit of our lips. We bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Sometimes it feels more sacrificial than others, but worship is not seasonal. What I've discovered to be true is that if I can't figure out how to sing a song in the sanctuary, I'll never have one to sing in the cell. Paul and Silas knew that worship isn't seasonal, and it's certainly not conditional. Some of you, that the key to just powering through the season you're in is to find a song in your heart again. And say, God, you're worthy of my praise. Let me give you the fourth way. Evangelism. Did you know evangelism is not seasonal? Evangelism is not just something reserved for the week before Christmas Eve or Easter Sunday. Evangelism is not something we just do when we go on a mission trip. Evangelism is, is not just something that we do when we have you know, uh, some kind of a a witness track in our hand or or at some church outing. No, evangelism is not seasonal. The word of the Lord says in 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. 
but do it with gentleness and respect. I, I have some cards that we put on the seats before you got here today. I'm going to encourage you to grab one of those. It says New Life Sunday on it, October 2nd. It's coming up four Sundays from today. New Life Sunday is a day that we've made a part of the rhythm of our church. It happens the first Sunday in May. It happens the first Sunday in October. And many of you know what that day looks like. It's a day that people celebrate new life in Christ by getting baptized in water. It's a day that parents celebrate a new commitment to lead their family to the Lord as they dedicate their children to God. It's a day that we recognize new members in the church. But here's the conviction the Holy Spirit prodded me with. Let's be careful, church, that we don't let New Life Sunday become a celebration for spectatorship. It's not a day to just come and watch somebody else celebrate a step of faith. I'm praying and believing that New Life Sunday is going to be a day that we see dead things come to life. That we see people that are lost be found. That we see people come from darkness into light. And so that's why we've put these cards in your hands. And there's a reference to John chapter 1 on the back of it. The story goes in John chapter 1 that John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing. And all of a sudden, two men are with him. And he sees Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Those two men see Jesus and... When they heard John say that, they turned and they began to follow Jesus. And and then the Bible says Jesus sees them following, and he literally turns around and he says, what do you want? (laughs) And they're like, we want to know where you're staying. We want to know where you're staying. And so Jesus says to them, come, and you'll see. And that's what they do. They just follow Jesus. The Bible says it was about four in the afternoon. They went and they spent time with Jesus. It's amazing what can happen when you just decide to spend one day with Jesus. Come on, isn't it great to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? I mean, to know that before this week even really gets rolling, it's it's barely after 11. And man, you've been in God's presence today. You've been encouraged as generations together have lifted their voice and prophesied blessing on our homes. You've submitted yourself to the authority of God's word. That's what happened in that day. Those two men just said, okay, we'll receive the invitation to come and see. And because they were hungry and they heard the invitation, their life was changed. One of those men was Andrew. Andrew, right away, he went and told his brother Peter. Peter became a follower of Jesus. Peter was married, and so Peter's family now is following Jesus. One day later, his his mother-in-law is sick, and so Peter brings Jesus to her house. He heals her. She gets up. She starts serving Jesus. All of it happened because one guy said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because their hearts were hungry, they pursued Jesus. Now, you can't control what's happening in the heart of another person. But what would happen if you would just invite them to come and see? So I want to give you a practical challenge today. I want to encourage you to take that card and take a pen. If you have one, do it now. If you don't, do it later. But write someone's name in that space and begin for the rest of this month to pray for them and to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a strategic opportunity. Listen, evangelism is not seasonal. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He said, oh, that's not my gifting. Do the work of an evangelist. Be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you profess to have in Jesus. But write someone's name down and begin to pray and say, God, give me an opportunity to invite them to come and see. On New Life Sunday, I believe God's going to change people's lives.
while we celebrate the change he's already done in other people's lives. But we have to know that evangelism is not seasonal. The last thing you need to know, if you're gonna power through even a difficult season, you gotta pray, you gotta obey, you gotta worship, you gotta evangelize. Those things don't, don't ever stop trending for the church. But the final thing is this. You just have to receive. The R stands for receive. Psalm 63 declares, in a dry and weary land, God, you are my water. And so many times we can disqualify ourselves from God's presence because of what we're feeling. And we can forget that the Bible says if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The Bible says in Hebrews that, that he sees you faultless, without stain, without blemish. That he's looking at your life today while you're looking at all the junk and all the mess and all the things you're facing. God sees you through the blood of Jesus. And Jesus promised in his first sermon, Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. So just receive. And what I want to say to somebody today, maybe, maybe you're one of those people that you just, man, it's been a tough season. Man, this has been a hard road. Man, this has been challenging. That's true. Know this. It's just a season. It's just a season. Our seasons, our times are in his hands, and he makes everything beautiful in its time. It's, it's the promise of Romans 8, 28. We know in all things God works together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So just give it time. It'll be beautiful in his time. Some of you need to be reminded, and this is the burden that's been on my heart this week. You need to be reminded that not everything is seasonal. There's never a wrong time to pray. It's never fashionable to disobey God. It is always right to enter his gates with thanksgiving and to come into his courts with praise. Worship is always the agenda of God's people. Evangelism is not seasonal work. And today, right now, no matter what season you're in, you can receive. You can receive something from God. Jesus said this. He said, on the last day of the feast of celebration, he stood up and in a loud voice, he declared, if anyone be thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. That's the invitation today. Are you thirsty? Because in a dry and weary land, he is our water. He is our source. He is our provision. And Jesus is the greatest example of this. Jesus knew what it was like to be in difficult seasons. And yet he always received what he needed for every season. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible says in the first verse that Jesus went into the wilderness and he was led there by the Spirit into a wilderness. While he was there, he was tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days. He prayed. He was at his weakest point. And yet it says at the end of that story in verse 14, he came out of the wilderness in the power of of the Spirit. Jesus understood that it doesn't matter what's happening circumstantially in my life, I always have heavenly resources at my disposal. 
I can receive the power that I need right now. And it's true for you. So I'm going to pray for you today as we get ready to close this service. I want to just simply invite you to posture yourself to receive from the Lord in this season. Would you bow your head with me? Close your eyes. All over this room, only you know everything you've been facing. Only you know everything you've been through. Only God knows what tomorrow holds. But not everything is seasonal, friends. And right now, the Lord wants to provide for you. Would you just press in? Can we just turn this sanctuary into our altar? Just press into his presence for a moment. God, I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your promises, Lord. You declared in your word, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. And sometimes we're in a season of soaring. And God wants us to mount up on eagles' wings. And and sometimes we're in a season of running. And God has a great adventure for us to go after. And sometimes it's a season of walking. But in every season, there is strength. There is strength today. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that right now you're reminding your people of your faithfulness. Even in the darkest valley, you are with me. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence today. If you need God to just strengthen you right now, if you just need God to refresh your soul, would you just stretch your hands toward him just as a sign of worship? Just lift up your hands toward heaven and ask him, God, would you fill me with your presence? Jesus, you said if anyone be thirsty, come to you, and they could, they could drink, and rivers of living water would flow. God, would you fill our bellies with streams of refreshing? Lord, satisfy our hearts today in your presence. Lord, meet us at our moment of need. God, help us to not let our purpose be sidelined by the things that are happening around us. God, help us to see today that if we'll abide in the vine, If we'll stay connected, you said we would produce much fruit. So, God, I pray this be a season of fruitfulness in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name. And if you receive it, would you say amen today? Amen. Come on, let's bless the Lord and thank him for his word. Amen.